0: All right, could you stand with me in honor of God's word? Galatians chapter 2, verse 10, here we go. They only asked us to remember the poor. The very thing I also was eager to do. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, open our hearts to your heart. Please, God, in the midst of a culture that is obsessed with its own protection, its own comfort, its own entertainment, Lord, please bring the kingdom in this place. Bring the kingdom to our hearts. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We love you, and we need you. So please reveal your heart here today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we're doing a two-week series called Remember the Poor. Last week was Remember the Poor Justice. This week is Remember the Poor Compassion. The context of the verse is uh, Paul and Barnabas have had a meeting with Peter, James, and John, and um, the three pillars of the church have said, we'll go to the Jews, you go to the Gentiles. And then this one statement only as you do this, you go to the Gentiles, we'll go to the Jews. Here's the only thing we're asking that as you go preaching the gospel, as you go speaking the good news about the grace of God, that wherever you go, you remember the poor. It's the only thing that they asked. I love being a favored son of God. I love being a beloved son. I wrote it in my journal this morning. God, thank you that I'm the beloved. Thank you that I'm a favored son. But friends, I want more. I want more than just to be a a, a child of God. I want to be God's friend. And and to have friendship at some point it has to be about more than what what you want. And what your healing and your transformation and your need for direction and your provision and me 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 at some point to be somebody's friend I gotta say what's on your heart. Okay, I've told you what I'm thinking about and what I need and, and what I'm going through and I poured all that. God, what's on, what are you thinking about today? What's on your heart today? And last week we looked at God's profound. Identification with the poor. So much so that he says, Whatever you do to the least of these, you did it to me. So much so that he says, Whoever's generous to the poor is lending to the Lord. The Lord took it personally, and the Lord himself will repay you. This is how he he is the father of the orphan, he is the defender of the widow. He he takes up the case of those that can't make a case for themselves because of. Uh, their situation. So, remember the poor compassion. I only have two points. Point one: Why do people forget the poor? And in our situation, why do Christian people forget the poor? Why? Why would they have to say remember the poor? It's, it's, it's not an automatic. Why do people forget the poor? First, we can assume that the poor are not our responsibility. Luke chapter 16, 19 through 21. Jesus says this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate, was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dog, dogs came and licked his sores. So this guy, this rich guy, he's having a great life. He's pampering himself in luxury. And there's this guy at his gate that is really, really poor, that is longing. And, and he sees him every day when he goes home. And, but at some level, he's just like, that's not my fault. And it's not my problem. He doesn't realize that he has any responsibility at all until after he's dead and he's at the judgment and he realizes, God says, listen, this, this, you had a chance to do this man good while you lived. And you just chose to think about yourself. My brother and sister-in-law had a party a couple of weeks ago and part of it was trivia and they had a trivia question my sister-in-law is very into movies and, and all the different things. And, and so they had a few questions about movies. And the question was this. Is what book has been adapted, other than the Bible, what book has been adapted the most times to, to become a movie or, or a film? That was the question. Turns out, That the book that's been adapted to become a movie in its different variations the most times is A Christmas Carol. It's a story of Scrooge. It's a a Christmas story. It's Charles Dickens. And it's, it's very interesting that that would become the one that is adapted the most times because that movie is all about man's responsibility for the poor. It's all about a man that's just like the rich man who, after he died, comes back and haunts Scrooge about the accountability that we have for the poor. And so these three ghosts come and visit him, and the ghost of Christmas present, the final scene with the ghost of Christmas present, is he opens up Christmas, he he opens up his robe, and there are two children there. A boy and a girl. And he says to Scrooge, he says, this, this boy's name is ignorance. And this girl's name is want. And he said, they belong to mankind. They are the responsibility of mankind. We assume it's somebody else's responsibility. God says no, they belong to you. Second, why why do people forget the poor? The need is too great. If I allow myself to care, I will be crushed by despair. If I watch all the different specials about poverty and about how other people are living and 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 the the atrocities of inequity in our world I will either drown in grief or I will drown in anger at all of the injustice and so it's 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 a self protection mechanism I simply can't Especially in this day where you can, you've, we've got access because of the news to all the bad things that are happening in the whole world. It is absolutely overwhelming. And so it's just easier to not expose myself rather than be crushed by the weight of grief and inequity in this world. Here's the answer. We are called to care, not carry. Look at Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And then just a few verses later, for each one should carry their own load. So we're to come alongside people and help them carry, but we're never totally responsible for those that are around us. We, we cannot be other people's saviors. We can't be the savior of the poor. We, they have to have their own relationship and their own dependence on God. And at the end of the day, they're going to have to own that. They're going to have to trust God themselves. We, we, this is how we do benevolence here. We Rarely do we meet the whole need. We will come alongside them. We will help carry that need. And then we'll say, the rest of it, you need to trust God. Why? We don't want to cripple them. We don't want, at the end of the day, for them to be dependent on city church. City church isn't the answer. Jesus is the answer. We don't want to cripple them. So we want to we come alongside. We want to lessen their burden. But we want to point them to Jesus. You're, well, what about the rest of it? You're going to have to believe God. You and Jesus can do that. And we'll pray with you about that. We want to help lift the burden, but we want to direct you to the real answer, which is Jesus. Now here is the wisdom of Compassion International. They don't sponsor kids for life. They come alongside, and they help those kids with food, they help their neighborhoods and their communities with infrastructure. And they help them with education. And then they only get sponsored until they're 18. At 8, they carry them. They, they come alongside them until they're 18. But then by 8, and the other thing they do is they lead them to Jesus. It's one, it's one thing that's unique about compassion. Jesus is center in compassion. Compassion. And I just love it. They come alongside. They empower. They give them the gospel. They help them get educated. And then at 18, they know what going in. I'm going I'm to have to own this thing. I'm going to have to live my own life. And I'm going to have to walk with God. And, I'm, and, and, and because I've been helped, I'm responsible to help others. It's beautiful. We are called not to carry Not To to care, not to carry. Remember the poor does not mean that you are going to save the poor. It means remember the poor. Care for them, not carry them. And then thirdly, why do people forget the poor? The power of money to corrupt our hearts. Jesus said you can't serve God and money. Money quickly becomes a God. Your God, your God is whoever motivates you and whoever comforts you. And, it, and, if, and if, if, if that's money, if money is what actually gets you out of bed in the morning and is what you look to for comfort, then that is presently your God. Not even though you might say Jesus and sing a worship song and go to church once in a while, you're, the real God is the one that motivates and comforts you. And... Uh, Riches have a way of... Jesus called them the deceitfulness of riches. Riches can deceive you. I want you to look at a scripture with me. Luke chapter 11, verses 39 through 41. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside... You are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Huh? How does being generous to the poor clean my heart? This is a mystery. But it says in Matthew 6.21 that wherever our treasure is, our heart will follow. That apparently money is so close to the human heart that when we give it, when we give it because we want to respond to God, that there is is a a, a release of divine grace over us that, that actually changes our heart. It actually helps clean us from the inside out. I want to tell you a story about something that happened in my own journey. This is going to be the short version. In 1991, um, I was actually on staff here. I was working as the college and career pastor. and um, The Lord was really working on my heart to break the poverty spirit. Let me, let me read a verse to you. Um, Proverbs ten fifteen, poverty is the ruin of the poor. Being poor means to just not have resources or opportunity. Uh, being under a spirit of poverty is a spirit of lack a spirit of there is a fixed pie and i've got to get mine before anybody else can get theirs or i'm going to end up going without and it's very fear driven and i was i grew up in a home where there was some lack and so that thing was on me and god had been speaking to me over a, a, a period of time about the stinginess of the older brother in Luke chapter 15. And that he worked hard and, and, and he, he, was, he, he, he was very upset about the generosity of the father. And he wondered why. Nothing was ever done for him. Why didn't you ever do anything for me? And the father doesn't say, remember that time that I gave you this party or that party? No, father doesn't say that. Because this son has been trying to earn what you can only receive by inheritance father said everything i have is yours <laughs> and you are always with me and and he was really challenging my heart about his generosity and february 9th i do the one year bible so i, I know this is actually 1990 not 1991 february 9th 1990 psalm 3119 How abundant are the good things you have stored up for those who fear you that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. I'm having my quiet time and I say, God, what have you stored up for me that you want to give in the sight of all? What what in your goodness... Do you want to give me? And he whispered into my spirit a house. And I we we were living at that time in MacArthur Manor, which at that time it was the it was the second highest drug police raid place in the city, the neighborhood that was second on the list, which is why it was cheap, which is why we could afford it. We we had three kids. We're living on a pastor's salary. Money is very tight and uh, that we could afford that. It was enough room and we could afford it. And so we were living at MacArthur Manor and and he spoke this, that he wanted to give us a house, that he had a house stored up for us. And I was so excited about it. I went home and told Alice and somehow God is going to provide a house. And within one week... um, my mom came to me, and Alice's mom came separately from her without us saying anything or doing anything, saying, we, we want to help you get a house. We want to... We, we want you to move towards a house. And so, so clearly, God is moving. God is doing. God in his generosity wants to do something for us. So we, we call Irv Bendorf, our friend who's still in this congregation. And Irv starts showing us houses and, and how much this would be and how much this and how much the payment would be and da-da-da. And so I'm trying to figure out what we can afford. And, and I, I have this horrible thought. Mm. If we weren't giving so much to missions and the poor, the tithe, God asked for the tithe. The tithe was never in doubt. I'm always going to give the tithe. But we were giving over and above to missions and the poor. And and I'm just trying to figure out, because I need to take care of my own kids too. And and I'm just, you know, if I just not stop giving, but just reduce what I'm giving to missions and we're giving to the poor, we we can afford a bigger house and we can, we can do this thing. And so I, one night before I go to bed, I've got it all worked out and how we can give Irv a higher number because I'm going to cut back on these things. And um, so the next morning I'm having my quiet time and I see what's happened to my heart. Honestly, I was, I was so disgusted and really angry at myself. I just, I, I put my foot as angry at the devil. I was just angry. I just, I just put my foot down, and I said, I don't care if we live in MacArthur Manor until Jesus comes back. I am not reducing by one penny what we're giving to the poor and what we're giving to missions. I, told, I, I got out of that. I told Alice, we're not getting a house. That, that, get away from me, Satan, in Jesus' name. We're gonna just keep doing what we're doing, da 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 A week later... Alice's aunt calls Aunt Mame. Aunt Mame was Alice's friend, and she tolerated me. But, but she she Alice was her buddy, and I was just kind of the appendage. And uh, so I was shocked because Alice comes out to me and says, "It's my Aunt Mame. She wants to talk to you." (laughs) Like what? And so I pick up the phone, and here's, here's Aunt Mame's converse, conversation with me. No hi, no greeting, no nothing. She just says this. I have a CD coming due in August for $10,000. I'm giving it to you for a down payment for a house. She, she was a Christian. She listened to God, and it was like she was just obeying God. Without us giving anything less, God gave us a house in, 19, in August of 1990. And the, the day that we got the final amount of money that was going to be given, we, we had received Aunt Mames, and then my folks gave something, and then Alice's mom gave us something. And the day that she gave us the final gift that made that down payment necessary was August eleventh, 1990. Well, if you know anything about the one-year Bible, you know that it goes through Psalms twice. And it was the exact same Psalm. February 9th and August 11th are the same. How great is your goodness for those who fear you. You store up good things which you bestow in the sight of man. God is a generous God. And he will take care of you. You, you, you are free to give. You are free to touch the poor. Jesus doesn't want anybody under a poverty spirit. This is how, you know how he started his ministry? Multiplying, changing water into wine, and way more wine than anybody ever could have needed. He was telling his disciples from the beginning, I don't want you under a spirit of lack. Do you, do you remember when he, after he multiplied the loaves? They, went, they forgot the 12 leftovers, and they're, they're on the boat going back there. And the disciples, Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And immediately, one of the disciples says to the other this is about the bread we forgot. We forgot those bread. What are we going to eat? And Jesus gets frustrated. He says, he says I'm going to ask you boys a question. How many, how many ate at that feast? 5,000? How many, how many leftovers were there? 12 baskets. How, second time, how many ate? 4,000. How many baskets were left over? Seven. He says, are your hearts so hard? How can you not know? I'm not worried about what we're going to eat tomorrow. I'm not talking about bread. That's the wrong spirit. As long as you're traveling with me, there's going to be provision. You don't have to worry about it. I'm not sweating it. My oh my, I can multiply bread. I can change water into wine. I can take care of you in Jesus' name. That brings us to point two. Final point. Moving right along here. Moved by compassion. When Jesus felt compassion, it led him to do stuff. Whenever Jesus felt compassion, he was moved, and life on the planet was going to change when Jesus was moved. Matthew nine thirty six 36-38, Jesus sees the multitudes... And here, it's important how he sees them. He feels compassion for them because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to the disciples, here's the first thing you do for the multitudes. Here's the first way you show compassion to the human race. Pray. Pray to the one that can actually do something about it. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. These are his people. Pray and find out what your part is pray and, and ask him to raise up laborers. Laborers are workers. Laborers are givers. Laborers are those that are willing to participate. He says the, 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 the harvest is great, but the workers are few. God only employs volunteers. That's why there are few workers. You, you, he's not going to make anybody do anything on this planet. Have you noticed that? God doesn't make anybody do anything. He can be very influential, though. I've noticed that. Um, that's Matthew 9. Matthew 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Whenever Jesus was moved with compassion for somebody's physical situation, it meant something was going to happen to change it. Something was going to flow from Jesus. And before he multiplies the bread, it says this this is Matthew 15, verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Jesus doesn't operate by guilt and he doesn't use guilt to get us to do stuff. Jesus operates by compassion, and he gives us compassion. And then he asks us to do something with the little five loaves and two fish we have. And you look at what we have, and you say, well, this, I can't make a difference. I can't make a difference in the world. What, what are these five loaves and two fish among so many? I can't do anything. Jesus says, no, you got your eye on the wrong place. Yeah, I only ask you to offer your little five loaves and two fish. But I'm the one that can meet every need. I can multiply your gift. I can multiply your compassion. Ultimately, we're in a spiritual war. And us giving, whatever small thing it is, it is a prophetic act in Jesus' name for God's care. And God can multiply. He can do above and beyond all we ask or think moved by compassion so as we as we think about these 200 kids that Matt has brought with him from compassion how to engage with them how as god moves us to give how how do we how do we give to the poor and i've got three ways to give to the poor They all start with S. First, steadily. They said to Paul, this one thing remember the poor. Not as a one time act, not as a one time check, but make it part of your life. I got saved in college, it's my freshman year of college. Uh, during final, I think a lot of kids get saved during finals week. <laughs> I mean, you need God on finals week. Anyway, it was during finals week that I got saved and went back home, kind of backslid, came back up, lived on the same floor, and really... God really confronted me. Are you in or not? I'm all in for you. I died for you. Are you all in for me? And I went all in. And the guy that led me to Christ was an engineer, and he was all about discipleship. I was his responsibility to disciple. And he, I didn't know how it worked. I'm just this young kid in college, and I'm all in for Jesus. And so he just told whatever he told me to do, I did. He said, we're going to pray at 6 a.m., uh, every Wednesday in your room okay I didn't know to say no I didn't know that I had a choice anyway um, he, he had all co- so I was memorizing verses I do all this and one day he comes and uh, he's got a, a world vision kid a sponsor packing and he says uh, this is part of the Christian life we remember the poor he said we tithe and we remember the poor. He'd already talked to me about tithing and he said this is going to be this I want you to uh, I want you to adopt this child and I want you to start sponsoring. It was $18 a month. That sounds like nothing to you. But I'm I'm a sophomore in college. I've got no money and $18 a month and he just explains whatever need you have, this kid's got more more need than you would ever have. This is a whole another thing. And so I'm just like Okay, sign me up. $18 a month. I took that kid all the way till he was 18. And it's a funny thing because my freshman year of college, I borrowed $2,500, which doesn't sound like much now, but back then it was a lot of money. And then in my sophomore year, I get saved. I start tithing on what, what little money I had, and I started doing this $18 a month. Do you know that I never borrowed another dollar for college? All, all, the, all the rest, I, that was that $2,500. What I had to pay back was $52.68 a month. We paid that back over like nine years. But I never, I never... Even though I was giving, even though I had purposed that I would give, it it says this, doesn't it? Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and God himself will repay them. Give steadily. Make it part of your life to remember the poor. And I I I love what compassion does because it's not just money. It's a relationship. You saw it. You saw it on the video it it they didn 't talk about the money, even they talked about the letters that that affirmed them that spoke something different over their life it 's about more than money it 's about relationship and I just I love the way compassion sets us up for relationship The, the two hundred children they have are all around mission fields that we 're already in a, as city church, and so you could conceivably Uh, Visit our missionary and visit your kid. Uh, You could conceivably connect your kid with our missionaries in whatever field they're at. I mean, it's just really cool. It's about the kingdom works by relationship. He's calling us to give steadily to the poor. Secondly, he's calling us to give strategically to the poor. It turns out that it's way harder to help the poor than you might think. It's not as simple as taking American money and just giving it to a third world country. That's been a disaster. It's not as much oftentimes well-meaning Americans go and they bring, they bring clothing for a community and they put everyone out of business that had a sewing business in that community. You, you can actually give In a way that hurts the poor, hurts the community that you're trying to reach. You need to be very careful, very strategic in how you give to the poor. I want to read to you from Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 21. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. So that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. This was God's plan in Israel for the poor. Don't glean your field. Don't go over them a second time. Leave the gleanings for the poor. Now this this strategy is amazing. Because here's what it does. It doesn't directly give the poor a gift. It gives them an opportunity to work. It gives them an opportunity to get out in those fields and to to get provision while protecting their dignity. They work. They have an opportunity that they wouldn't have otherwise. This is how Israel took care of the poor. Not enabling the poor, but empowering them. So I want to talk a little this morning about life after debt. Can we talk for a moment about life after debt? Because of your generosity, because of God's goodness, because many have took up that challenge, we made a little debt reduction line in our, in our giving envelopes back in Uh, 2011, when we were just starting out and we were being crushed by the debt that we owed on all three buildings. And I just said, Alice and I are going to throw a little stone at this thing. And if you want to join us in throwing the stone, there's not going to be any big campaign to reduce the debt. This this is all that's going to be. And if you want to throw a stone, only God can take Goliath down. Well, here's where we are, folks. In less than a year just by, by giving our regular payment, every, without anybody giving extra to debt reduction, we will be out of debt. Yeah. This church has labored under debt for 43 years, since, since its inception in 1976. And there is life after debt. I want to tell you my dream. I want to tell you two dreams that I have. One, this is, this is in 2016. In one day in 2016, it was during the prophetic week. We always have a prophetic week in January. In 24 hours, I had three people come to me separate from one another, not relatives, completely separate from one another, and say the exact same thing, that God's going to knock this wall out. This is, a, this is, a, 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 is not a load-bearing wall. This, is, it was, this thing was made to be a a half... Am I pointing to the right wall? Which wall? Uh, yeah, it is that wall. Um, it, that, it, this was created to be able to be expanded to a half pie. And uh, I, I could see us having a, a bigger sanctuary, a bigger foyer, bathrooms on the main floor. Hello! I, I could easily see a, a chapel underneath that would be a house of prayer for, for the region. And I, I've got lots of dreams about that. And... Um, that God has spoken again and again about a harvest coming in, that he's going to bring um, people, he's going to bring souls, and that there's going to be so many here, they're not going to fit in the current space, and we're going to have to knock that wall out. And I I absolutely believe that will happen. I want to assure you two things. One, there will be no fundraiser to build that. Two... Uh, we will not borrow again. <laughs> so those things, those things are in place. There's, you don't ever have to fear that. I think God's going to do it. We will change our little debt reduction thing in the bulletin to building fund. We will, we will change that. And so people that want to give to that and sow into that, I believe that's one of the dreams I have. Let me tell you another dream I have. I want to have a fund in our church Called gleanings for the poor. That comes out of our general fund. This is not any money. We're gonna we're we're gonna raise money like only the times that we do now for missions, uh, which we do once a year, and then we do it again for the the youth group going, which is really missions and the poor when they go to Belize. The orange thing. That's the only two times a year we ask for money. I want to have something out of the general fund. I want to have something regular called gleanings from the poor that we would just have an amount of money that we set aside every month that's going to be spent not here. We've got a benevolence ministry here. We give to the poor in this region, but I want there to be a gleanings for the poor, which is for the third world. And it's not to money used to send people, it's for projects in the third world that will change people's lives, change communities' lives. Um, for instance, you put a well in a community. Do you know what you just saved them? Thousands of hours of carrying water. We've got we've got three hundred churches in Tanzania, FCA churches, our fellowship. Sixty of them have churches without roofs. They're waiting for funding to get to get a roof. We we can come. Up, there's just lots of different things. I want to put together a committee that that would be. Com- Consists of elders and some people from the missions committee. That would be this strategic committee of how we're going to change the third world. What what are the projects God wants us? Strategically, how does God want us to touch the third world? And you you might think, well, Pastor Tom, shouldn't we build that first? No, no, no. That's not how it works. You you give yourself to God's things, and He'll build your things. And and so these are these are these are some of the things. And let me tell you this: when when we when we finally make that last check to pay the debt off, I will guarantee you this: there's going to be a celebration here. <laughs> we're we're gonna bur- yeah we're gonna burn that thing. We'll have a a, a congregation wide meal and tell the whole story from beginning to to now. But it, it's not. The end, it's a new beginning, and I can't wait to see what God's going to do in this place. So we have steadily, how do we give to the poor? Steadily, strategically, I had to come up with another S word. Here's the, here's the third word, stretchingly. So this is uh, 10 years ago. It's 2009, right in there. And my lovely wife, Alice, comes to me and she said, I want to I want to sponsor another compassion child. And it's not always the husband, but somebody in a marriage relationship is the person that's in charge of the long-term finances. There's, there's always in a marriage somebody that's more maybe trained, but somebody is the one that's in charge of saying no when it—, it, it somebody's got to say no. Somebody's got to be the bad guy in the marriage. It, 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 do any couples know what I'm talking about? Somebody has that job, and because I've got finance in my background, it's not because I'm a man, but because I've got finance, I've always had to be that guy. And so she comes, she wants to sponsor another child, and I'm like, mm. A, we own, at that time, we owned two houses. We had one unsold that was losing money every month. We had two children in college. It's just a very, very stressful, tight time financially. And so here's what I said. I'll pray about it. (laughs) Thank you, Dave. Now, what did that mean? Anthony's got it. Uh, here's what... Uh, okay, okay, Jesse. All right, here's, here's what it meant. Here's what it meant. No, unless God himself speaks to me. This is going to take an act of God. I'm, I'm in charge of the finances. I, I know how it works. I know our budget. And we're already extended beyond our limits. No, it's not going to happen. I'll pray about it. It means God himself would have to speak. So here's what happened. So, so I say, I'll pray about it that day. Let me tell you what happens to me that night. I have this dream, and in this dream, I'm sleeping in bed, and I'm woke up in my dream. I'm still sleeping, but I'm in the dream. I get woke up, and it's this little black African girl. And she's, she's waking me up. She says, and she's so excited. She says, I want you to see where I sleep. So she takes my hand. I get out of bed, and right at the end of our bed is where she sleeps. And it's, it's all dirt, and she's got it outlined, like using a stick to outline where a bed would be, and that's where she sleeps. I wake up the next morning, First thing I said to Alice is, we're going to sponsor that that extra kid. (laughs) I don't want to be at that level of trouble with God. We will sponsor that kid. True compassion comes from receiving God's compassion for us. Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Someone asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And he stretched out his hands and said, this much, and then he died. This is, this is God's love for us. Listen, listen to 2 Corinthians 8.9. It says, for you know the grace, grace is a word for generosity, Of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, for your sake, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Friends, there was no one more wealthy than Jesus. He was the king of heaven, he was the center of heaven. He owned all things, ruled all things. And he willingly, for you and for me, took on flesh. He was born to a very poor Jewish couple, Joseph and Mary. He walked on this earth at a very difficult time in history when Israel was under the oppression of the Roman Empire. But he went beyond just that, didn't he? He was falsely accused and went to a cross. And they cried out to him on the cross, if you're really the Savior, Come down off that cross and prove it. You've saved others, save yourself. And here's the mystery of the cross. If he saves himself, he can't save others. The price of our sin, our rebellion against God, was death. The wages of sin is death. And somebody had to pay those wages before a holy God. And the Father said, if if you will go, if you will give your life, I will redeem them. I will give them back to you. They will be your bride. And Jesus said, I will go. And it was his love for you. This is where all compassion starts. When we receive his great, great love and forgiveness toward us. Could we bow our heads for just a moment? I've got two groups that I want to pray for. The first group is this. Maybe you're here today and you, you don't know that you've actually received the love of God. Salvation, and it, let me tell you the end of that verse. The wages of sin is death, but the, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life is a gift. It's not something you earn by good behavior or by moral conduct. Eternal life is a gift. Someone else paid for it And it was very expensive. It cost Jesus his own life to purchase this gift for you and me. And the way you receive it is just as a gift. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him, which is their word for relationship, the meal of relationship in that culture. Jesus already died for you, but today he knocks. He won't force his door down, your door down. He never takes away free will. He invites you. He invites you to be forgiven, to receive his love, to receive his compassion. So if that's you today, you're not sure. You're not sure if you're saved. You're not sure if you're forgiven. You're not sure where you stand with God. But you believe today that Jesus died for you. You believe today that he is knocking on your door. I have every head bowed because this is between you and God, not you and anybody else. The reason why I have people raise their hand is because I like to help people pray a prayer to open their door because somebody helped me open mine. So if that is you, Would you just raise your hand real high right now? Jesus is knocking and you want to respond. You want to open your door. I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else? By upraised hand. You want to respond to Jesus today. He's knocking. And you want to say yes. Yeah, I see that hand back there too. God bless you. If you raised your hand, would you just place that hand over your heart right now and pray something like this? Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for your tremendous compassion for sinners. Lord, I'm opening my door right now by faith. Come in, save me, wash me, forgive me. I receive right now by faith that gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Then could we all stand to our feet? The second call is this, to open our hearts to God as to what he would have us do. I don't want anything to be done out of guilt or compulsion because that doesn't last anyway. <laughs> but I think God wants to open up our hearts. We're going to have these kids, these 200 kids. They're going to be out there this week. They're going to be out there next Sunday. They're going to be out there during intimacy with God. I'm believing God for all 200 to be taken by somebody and if you're just open I, I know we all have needs we all have financial stuff and but if you're open just for God to speak for God to move in your heart and you want God to move whether you actually sponsor one of these kids or not you just want God's moving in your heart would you open your arms like this close your eyes i just want to pray for you i'm certainly including myself in this lord we live in a very very difficult world right now with tremendous inequities and you don't want anyone here to feel guilty that we live in america and that our life is easier than other people's that you're not you're not the god of guilt you are the God of great compassion. And you are inviting us to be your friends. God, would you open our hearts to your great heart. Father, I pray together with my brothers and sisters for these 200 kids. Lord, would you link them to the right sponsor? Lord, I think it would be really hard for any one of us here to do all 200, but maybe we could do one and trust our other brothers and sisters to do one, and that as a congregation we could end up adopting all two hundred and change these lives forever. Father, thank you for Compassion International. Thank you, God, for their heart that has gone to heart the hardest places on earth and helped with infrastructure and helped get kids and know kids and walk with kids and families and come alongside. It's so beautiful, Jesus. Lord, with all the bad news, this is really, really good news. Father, thank you for the compassion experience that's that's coming next this next week. And that there's already a thousand signed up to go through the the, the countries and and hear the stories and 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 embrace your heart for the poor God thank you for that open our hearts and then God we pray this would you take our five loaves and two fish would you take the little thing we can do and the enemy says that's not going to make a difference Lord in Jesus name would you take it and would you multiply it by your powerful grace? you reach cities and countries and change infrastructures. Lord, bring down corrupt leaders that are wasting and squandering money that was given to help the poor. Please, God, for such a time as this, we're here. We want to be part of your solution for this world. In Jesus' name. God bless you. So the kids are out there on two tables. Matt will be out there as well if you want to chat with him. Um, you can look at the kid. What you can't do is take them home with you unless you're taking them because we have to leave them there until they get sponsored. Bless you. we got ministry teams as well if you'd like more prayer.